But that, that passage that Corey read is, is such a great passage. And, and uh, um, that one part of it in it, um, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And, uh, and so many parts after that, that, that and before that it talks about. But um, the good news being the gospel, the word of God, and, and, uh, and just how thankful we are for that. And um, one of the things I, I want to talk about this morning is... is um, is that and and uh, the role of preaching and the kingdom of God? We talk a lot about advancing the kingdom. We talk about evangelism. We talk about missions. We talk about those things. And so this morning, I want to talk about from the passage in Acts the role of preaching in the kingdom of God. And and uh, as a church, our primary focus, uh, our primary function uh, that we we put the most emphasis on as a church is preaching. Um, whatever ministries that we start as a church will kind of serve that purpose of of preaching the word of god we feel like from scripture that is the primary role of the church is to preach god's word and we'll talk about that um some more uh this morning but it's not you know we don't think that because um i'm the 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 preacher and that's my job and so it must be the most important has nothing to do with that as we evaluate scripture as we look at what it says um we believe that, and, and we also we, we recognize from Scripture that that's the way that um, we communicate God's Word, and it's, and it's the primary way that God's kingdom is advanced. As you look through Scripture, that, that's kind of the call and the way that God's Word, is, or, or the kingdom of God, excuse me, is, is advanced. And so um, really my prayer this morning, and, and we're going to take um, and, and get to the preaching part later on, but um, my prayer this morning is that some of you men, uh, would leave here just convicted to that end. Um, not convicted to say, hey, preaching really is important, but convicted to the point where you'd say, man, I, I want to be a part of that. Uh, I feel like God's calling me to be a part of that. I want to preach God's word. I want to be used by him to proclaim and preach the word of God. That's that's my heart uh, and prayer for the message this morning. And so um, if you'll turn in Acts chapter 13, we're going through the book of Acts verse by verse, and and we're in Acts 13 right now. We're going to look at just a a few verses there this morning. Look at a couple other passages as well. Refer back to what um, Corey read in Romans 10. And so Acts chapter 13, verses 13 through 16 is what we're going to look at. I'm going to read that for us here. It says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. Um, a couple of things before we get uh, towards the, talking about preaching. Um, in verse 13, you notice there it says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos. So um, they're in Paphos, and, and again, they get on a boat, and they set sail to Perga, which is in Pamphylia. Real quick note on that. If you notice kind of a transition that's taking place, and we'll notice this kind of for the rest of the book of Acts. Um, but if you look back a few verses in verse 7, there's a transition that's already taking place for Paul. Um, if you look back in verse 7, it says that he's, um, uh, let's see here. 
Uh, talking about the proconsul, Sergius policy says uh, he summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Now, all the way down here, just a few verses later, it says Paul and his companions. Uh, and so Barnabas isn't even mentioned. And, and, and there's a transition that's happening where God is bringing Paul to the forefront as kind of the leader of this missions movement. Paul is, is a natural, gifted leader, just like Peter. If you notice in the Gospels and, and, and in the beginning of Acts, uh, it talks a lot about Peter. And that doesn't mean that he's a better person or a better Christian or a better whatever. He's just the leader. And so that's kind of the transition that we're seeing happen. It doesn't mean that Barnabas's role is done. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means that Paul is the leader and his companions, Barnabas and the others, are going across. And so um, God's making this transition in, in the life of Paul. The Lord's bringing him kind of the front as the leader of this, this mission movement. And it says that um, they go to Perga and Pamphylia. And, and Perga is a part of Galatia. Um, later on in the passage, uh, it says that they, they come to Antioch and Pisidia. Both of those places are in what, what is known as Galatia. And if you, you know further in the New Testament with that, uh, that book that's called Galatians, um, well, as, as Paul and, and they arrive here in this area in, in Galatia, um, this is the beginning of the movement there. So later on, when Paul writes that letter of Galatians, it's a letter to these churches that are that are going to be starting up here and now. OK, and so it'd be good homework for you uh, this next week to go and read the book of Galatians and see, OK, here's this movement that's happening through Paul in this area in Galatia. And so what did he have to say to them later? What is the letter that he wrote to them later and what's going on in the churches there? How have they grown? What's what's happening? And, and so it's a great letter anyway. It's not very long. Um, and, and so I'd encourage you uh, later this week to check that out and see, OK, what did Paul write to these people afterwards and just a few books away okay uh go to the right in your bible you'll you'll find it so it says that um they go to uh excuse me perga and pamphylia there in 13 and that's a part of galatia the end of that chapter or the end of that verse though what does it say it says and john left them and returned to jerusalem there's a quick statement it's going to come up again in acts but it's a big deal um it's actually a really really big deal john uh is john mark uh, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. That's how we have the Gospel of Mark, is through the, the pen of John, who's mentioned here. Holy Spirit moved through him, and he wrote the Gospel of Mark that we have that talks about the life of Christ and what we preached through a couple years ago here at the church. And so through John, we have this. And so we obviously know that John's this great guy who God used to do incredible things to teach us about Christ. And here we have this little sentence that says, John left him there. Um, but it's kind of a big deal uh, because what we're going to find out later on, just a couple chapters later in, in, in chapter 15 is um, it wasn't just the, hey, we'll see you later, guys. Um, John bailed on them there. Uh, that's what we find out in chapter 15. Barnabas later on wants for John to hook back up with them and continue in the ministry. Paul says, no way. He, he, he abandoned us before and 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 we're not going to have him and we don't know why he left the scripture doesn't tell us there's there's some hints and and or not hints but assumptions that people have made and 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 some have thought that maybe it was a personality conflict with paul and you know here's paul now and and maybe you know john had this great relationship with the son of encouragement you know barnabas is so encouraging and so maybe he had this great relationship with him now paul's coming to the forefront and he's more of a leader maybe more aggressive and and so maybe they you know had a conflict there and they split i don't know you know maybe um we're going to find out later in this passage that that where they're headed 
after this is, is pretty scary terri- territory, um, maybe he was afraid. Maybe he's afraid for the next part of the mission and, and, and just didn't want to go over this next part. Don't know. We don't know. You know, maybe, maybe the, the, the whole uh, excitedness and, 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 and romance of missions work wore off. And it's just like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And, and he just got tired and he just missed home and wanted to go home. We don't know. We don't know why he left, but we know he left. And it was a big deal to the ministry of Paul and Barnabas, and especially the future ministry of Paul and Barnabas. And there's some things I think we can learn from it, because uh, what I want us to know is in the process, it's Satan, um, I really believe, that's doing this. Uh, and, and, and I don't mean that Satan is, is, is you know, that, that um, John is working for Satan. I don't mean that at all. What I mean is Satan always tries to attack leadership and split up leadership and and so i think there's things that we can learn from from this with john where even as we look ahead and and see that 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 barnabas sides with john and and paul doesn't you know want him to be a part of the ministry anymore a couple things i think we can learn um from from situations like this where people leave um the first one is sometimes good people leave i mean there's no one here who would look at this and say john's a jerk or john's a bad person no we'd have to say the lord used john to write the book of mark just one of the most incredible testimonies of the life of christ so there's nothing we can look at this and say that john's a bad guy we can't look at it and say he he he's he's a horrible person or we can't do that because we know how god used him we know what god did through him and so sometimes good people leave that's one thing we can get from it uh, the, the next thing we can learn is not everyone's going to agree and not everyone's going to disagree. Not everyone's going to agree with when, when people leave and not everyone's going to disagree. We look at you look at Barnabas later on who says, hey, John wants to come along with us again. Let's have him. Let's have him a part of this ministry. And and Paul's response is, dude, I love the guy, but I'm not ministering with him anymore. He flaked on us. He bailed on us. He left us. He abandoned us. I love him but I'm not going to do ministry with him. Some people agree and some people don't. And, and, and so there's things like that, that that happen in ministry. And, and, and does it mean that the, that the person like John is, is, is a bad person? Certainly not. The third thing is this, um, the ministry has to go on. I, I love the next word after this, okay? John left them and returned to Jerusalem, but they went on. It didn't stop. You know, I think of Corey and Megan who are visiting here. And, and, and Corey and Megan, if you don't know them, Corey's the guy that read the, the passage this morning. I think of Corey and Megan who, who left for good reasons, who I think the whole church would rally around and say, this is a good reason to leave, to go full time into, into global mission work, to advance the kingdom through missions. But if you don't know Corey and Megan, I mean, they were a huge reason that the church is where it's at now, that the church is now, like that it's alive now. I mean, God used them in such significant ways throughout the, a huge part of the beginning of this church and leadership and, and all of those things. And, and, and so um, sometimes, you know, people leave. And, and, and when Corey and Megan left, even though they're such a huge part of the ministry, man, we didn't huddle up and say, well, 
I don't know, I guess we won't have to pay electric bills anymore because we can't go on and the ministry's going to have to stop. And, and, and that's a good situation. Sometimes there's, there's negative situations where, where someone leaves and, and, and you don't agree with it. Maybe you didn't think they should have left. Maybe that person shouldn't have, I wish they wouldn't have gone there or I wish they wouldn't have done that. I wish they wouldn't have left. The ministry goes on. And we don't look at that and say, well, okay, we, we give up. We give up. Let's just stop. Let's just throw in the towel. No. This is about God and advancing the kingdom of God. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes we disagree. Ministry goes on. Fourth thing is, is something I mentioned um, already, but Satan wants to infiltrate and divide. He wa- I mean, you look at the passage we talked to uh, talked about previously where where here's Paul and Barnabas and they're they're preaching the gospel and this guy named uh, Elimus or, or um, Barjesus comes and and Satan uses him to try to oppose or he does oppose the gospel but tries to interfere with the governor coming to know the Lord and Satan uses him in that circumstance and he fails miserably because paul last week we talked about this we're not going to go through it again but but gets in this guy's face and and literally quiets him and through this whole process the governor believes the word of god and and comes to christ well satan's not going to quit from that and so now he's going even further and attacking the leadership even of the church so that even down the road in in chapter 15 paul and barnabas split They, they they disagree so sharply about this circumstance with john this circumstance here they disagree so sharply that they have to leave each other and so that barnabas takes um john with him and and then paul takes silas with him and they go two different ways and the ministry of paul and barnabas together is split up at that point at that point and so it's a big deal and we can learn from it and we learn how to respond. And the main thing, I think, in all of that is, yes, yeah, Satan's going to attack and he's going to do things and, and, and ministries are, are, are going to divide and, and things. Like, it goes on. The ministry goes on. If, if the Lord took me out of this position, my hope, my prayer would be, man, this church would just move forward because it's not about Tony. It's not about Corey. It's not about someone else. It's about God. It's about advancing his kingdom and letting people know the great news about who he is and how wonderful wonderful he is and so the ministry keeps going it goes on in the passage um verse 14 it says but john left but when they went on from perga and came to antioch and pisidia now this antioch that it's talking about um is not the same antioch that they left uh antioch is a is a common uh name for a city or town at that time just like centerville uh, is is probably a, a city in every state in this country, right? And so, similarly here, Antioch is a common name, and there were multiple Antiochs. And this is Antioch. Why it re- refers to Antioch of Pisidia, which is a different Antioch. Okay, um, but but something interesting in here is that, um, and this is just a side note, but uh, he doesn't preach in Perga. Do you notice that? Um, Paul, for some reason, he doesn't preach. And we don't know for sure why, but if, it, when you're doing your homework this week, uh, in Galatians, there's, a, there's an interesting passage in, in Galatians 4, 13, just a really quick verse that I'll read for you. But Paul says this, um, You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel 
of God. It could be that that this is that time frame, right? Because that's what he's talking about. When I first came to you in Galatia, I had this sickness. And so it could be that he was so sick when they arrived in Perga, they couldn't preach. And so they go on, it says, from Perga um, to to this uh, next place, which is Antioch and Pisidia. Now, this is a a great line in Scripture, okay? And uh, this was so cool for me to study. But um, that line, but they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia. Seems simple, right? Simple. They went from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia. That's simple. Probably just hopped right over and, and there they were, like jumped in their car and put it in the drive. Fifteen minutes later, hey, we're here. Wake up and let's preach again. But I want you to know what this small little phrase entails. I mean, here we have these two, this one sentence. John left them and they went from here to here. And it's just like nothing, right? But it's huge. What happens in these two phrases are huge because what happens in the, they went on from Perga and came to Antioch is probably one of the most heroic tales left out of scripture that there is because between Perga and Antioch uh, is, is, is a journey that we would not even imagine that we would never want to take our ourself. And, and to get from Perga to Antioch um, was a big deal. Antioch of Pisidia was at 3,600 feet high on a plateau on the Taurus Mountains. It was 100 miles from Perga, up and through and over and around tar- the Taurus Mountains. And here I want to read um, this, this excerpt from uh, MacArthur's notes. And it, and it says this, The journey would have been treacherous beyond our belief. The Taurus Mountains were jagged, rugged cliff-like mountains the trails clung to the cliffs that ascended up dizzy heights two of the most treacherous rivers in the world had to be forded the cetrus and euromedon and both of those rivers cascaded just kind of plunged through canyons and were very difficult to get across alexander the great for example in one of his particular escapades had desired to join parmenio in phrygia in order to do that He had to cross the Taurus Mountains, and he said the toughest part of all of his campaign was to get through the Taurus Mountains, especially to shake off the brutal, lawless tribesmen who lived there. The Taurus Mountains were famous for being inhabited by robbers and these brutal tribesmen who just confiscated and stole and slaughtered everything that came through there. They would hide in the caves and the cracks, and and people were in such precarious positions anyway that they had to just barely hold on to stay alive. And so... Uh, when we read in there, uh, they went from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia. It's kind of a, a hero's journey that we just don't even realize. Um, some of the stuff that, that Paul and Barnabas and these others would go through. Why? To present the gospel. To take the gospel to a place that had never heard. To take the gospel to people who needed to know about Christ. And it was worth it for them. You know, you think of... of um, Second Corinthians chapter 11, where, where Paul goes through this list of things that he has endured for the gospel's sake. And, and part of that list in, in verses 26 and 27, part of that list in Second uh, Corinthians, um, referring to himself, it says, On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. I mean, how much of what he's saying in 2 Corinthians comes from this phrase, but they went 
on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. I mean, how much of that just horrific stuff that he's talking about in 2 Corinthians is just mentioned as, hey, they just went from here to here. But what does that reveal to us? There's a passion for God and his word and a desire for people to know the greatness of God. That they would do that. That they would just go. That they, they knowing what was ahead, would go to take the gospel. And so it says, uh, um, they come to Antioch. And on the Sabbath, verse 14, on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. So they come to Antioch. They, get, they find a synagogue. They go in, they sit down. And, and uh, verse 15 says, after the reading from the law and the prophets... The rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, brothers, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. Um, so if we would have been biblical this morning, uh, after Corey would have read, then I would have asked him, hey, you want to say something? And uh, and we weren't biblical today. Um, but that that's that's what would happen in the synagogues. And we're not a synagogue, Corey. So I apologize. All right. Um, but uh, if there was a competent guest, okay, that would come in, this was common. If, if there was a competent guest that would come into a synagogue, then after the reading from the Law and the Prophets, the leaders of that synagogue would ask this competent guest, and Paul, being a part of the Sanhedrin formerly, is a very competent guest, um, but they would ask this guest if he, if, if he had a word or, or wanted to comment or wanted to give the message of what they had read. And so here's Paul and then his companions, here's Paul and Barnabas and maybe some others with them. And they read the law and the prophets. And then these leaders um, send a message to him, it says, and say, hey, do you, you have a word from the Lord that you'd like to share with us? Paul's like, yes, like, okay, I will. I'll, do, I'll, I'll think of something. I'll share something. I don't know what it's going to be yet. But here's this incredible, incredible thing. And what I don't want us to miss is the Holy Spirit working in this circumstance i mean here's paul and barnabas and they come all of this way and they find the synagogue on the sabbath and they come and they just sit down as a part of the service and the holy spirit moves in such a way that here's these guys who have who've just been radically changed by the gospel of jesus christ i mean has con- con- completely transformed them uh, you know, you think of Paul and his and his history and how he would have just been in the synagogue saying yes. And then let's go kill the Christians and now has been completely transformed by the gospel. And he's sitting there and the spirit moves in such a way that the leaders say, hey, send a message to this guy and see if he wants to share something with us. And they don't know what they're walking into. They have no idea what they are about to get into. We're not going to get into the sermon today. Uh, it's a long sermon that, that we'll get into in the next you know, next week and, and a couple weeks after that and, and, and kind of spread it out. But they have no idea what they are walking into. But that's just the Holy Spirit opening this incredible door for the advancement of the gospel, what will be through the preaching of Paul where this, the, the kingdom is going to be advanced through this and, and God's using it and, and opening this door so wide um, for Paul to just be able to present Christ to this synagogue. So I don't want us to miss that. I don't want us to miss and think, you know, you know it was just coincidence or, or it was just the fact that Paul was a part of the Sanhedrin. This is the Holy Spirit at work and moving and opening doors and allowing 
Paul to have a platform in this place to present the gospel to these people. And so I don't want us to miss that because we can, um, we can under-spiritualize things. We can over-spiritualize things, but we can under-spiritualize things way too much. And, uh, and, and I think we tend to do that more often than not. And, and, uh, and we need to be careful of that where we just we don't worship God as we see in history how he used circumstances like this to promote his glory and his fame and, and preach the truth to these people. Um, and so he goes on and he says, um, at the end of verse 16, so Paul stood up, all of verse 16, so Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. Now this is um, the beginning of his sermon. And again, we're not going to get into it um, but I want to talk about this, this idea of preaching and how he even addresses at the very beginning of the sermon, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. And what is he saying? Um, because Paul, as a person, doesn't have any authority to say to the synagogue, listen, right? Of his own, he has no authority. As a person, he has no authority. I have no authority just to stand up here and say, hey, listen to what I'm saying every Sunday. Listen to me. Listen to my, uh, you know, antics and, and ravings and, and all these things that, you know, that I. That's not the authority that Paul has here. The authority that he has and the authority and the reason he can stand up in front of the people and say, listen, is because what he's saying is not listen to me uh, because I have some cool things that I want to say. What he's saying is, listen, because I have a word from God. What I'm telling you is God's word. And, and the same thing, as, as I come up front here, it's not me coming up and say, hey, I've got a lot of cool things to share with you. I do, but it's not me. Uh, if it's just me and my words and me trying to convince you and motivate you, and it's wrong. But when, 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 when the, the preacher comes up front and says, by whatever means, by just standing and talking or whatever, listen, Here's what it's coming from, okay? Listen, because what I'm talking to you about is God's word. And what I want you to listen to is God's word that he's written down for us. Truth that we can know him, that we can obey him, that we can discover more about him, that we can love him. All of these things. And so Paul stands up and he says, listen, because what I'm about to tell you is from God. He is a spokesperson for Christ. And really, that's the role of preaching. And, and, and it has nothing to do with Paul, and it has nothing to do with me, and it has nothing to do with the person down the street at this church or this church or this church. It's about God, and it's his word. And, 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 it, and, and that's why my desire, and, and you guys know, um, if you've been here at all, and you know that my heart and the heart of our church is certainly that um, we want to see some of you leave and go to other parts of the world. I mean, we just want to see you go and 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 be missionaries and take the gospel to other places and but here's the here's the pinnacle of that role is preaching the gospel as Paul and Barnabas went forth it was to preach the gospel there are incredible things to do and important things to do in mission work but all of them serve preaching the gospel all of them whether whether we're feeding the hungry, whether we're in and all of these are hugely important and cannot be forgotten. OK, but whether we're feeding the hungry, whether we're serving the poor and in, in, whether we're building homes, whether we're helping the sick, whatever we're doing, all of it serves one purpose. 
to preach the gospel. To, to, to see that the gospel is preached to people so that they can hear the word of God and believe in Jesus Christ. That passage that, that Corey read earlier is, 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 is huge for us to understand. You, you know, you think through the use of, of preaching in the scripture, and, 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 and we'll just talk about from Acts 1 until now. And in Acts 1, where, where Jesus says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? Well, that process has already begun in the book of Acts. They're already being his witnesses in those places. And, and those things are happening. And you think about the catalyst of what God has used for the launching of the awakening in these places. You think about Jerusalem, where, where God just did this incredible Thing to awaken hearts in Jerusalem from the very beginning of, of Acts, right? And what was the catalyst of that? What, did, what was it that, that launched all of that? It was a sermon by Peter, right? And he preaches the gospel, and this awakening begins to happen as the gospel is preached. And you think a few chapters later, in chapter 7, as the gospel is going forth in Judea and Samaria, and Stephen preaches this sermon, and an awakening happens, and, and all of this stuff happens as the gospel is preached in these places. And now here we are and this awakening is beginning to, to take place to the ends of the earth. And, and, and we know from earlier where it says that, that um, in Antioch that, that the, the apostles were there preaching the gospel. And now this sermon that we're about to go into, this sermon that's going to launch this huge awakening as we find out in all these places in the ends of the earth. God uses preaching still to advance the kingdom. And this is a weird thing to, to say, right? Because I'm the preacher, right? And that's kind of weird, but it's, it's the truth. And it has nothing to do with me. And, and if you think that I'm, I'm saying this because, hey, I want you to pay attention to me a lot more, it's not that. It's I want you to pay attention to God's word more. And just like in Romans 10 that, that, that Corey talked about earlier, that passage that, that, that talks about people believing in Christ Starting at verse 14 or or verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, will be saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Verse 17 that we talk about a lot here. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's why preaching is the focus of our church. That's why it's the main ministry of our church. That's why everything we ever do will be submitting to that and funneling to that cause so that the gospel is preached. Whether it's me or someone else, it doesn't matter who it is. It's the gospel. It's the word of God, and it's the fact that we want it preached. You, know, you look later on in, in, uh, in 1 Timothy, and, and I talked about how our desire is, is, yes, for people to go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel. But, man, our desire is, and, and my prayer and desire this morning has been that some of you would say, I want to preach here. I, I see the role that God has for preaching, and I want to preach here. I want God to use me to preach the gospel here. And, and I want God to, whatever, whatever it takes. I mean, first of all, Lord, your Holy Spirit, that it would, that it would equip me and, and that it would 
you know, gift me and, and all of those things. And then if I need training, I'll do that. Whatever it is, I, I want to preach the gospel. I want to be a part of your, your kingdom advancing in this way. That's our desire. And, 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 and really that some of you would pray that. Some of you would leave here wanting that uh, because there's such a need for it. There's such a need for it in our culture. And, 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 and that's why, you know, when I said that whatever we do ministry-wise, whatever ministry we do to meet the culture where it's at, it still serves preaching. We don't cut preaching because of culture. We do things to meet the culture, and all of those serve the preaching of the gospel. And in fact, in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul's writing to Timothy in, in uh, 2 Timothy 4, just the first four verses. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in the myths culture doesn't dictate preaching it doesn't it it may dictate how we do some kinds of ministry but it doesn't dictate preaching the necessity for preaching stays the same from acts chapter one all the way through the end of the new testament all the way through the end of time until the lord returns the necessity and need for preaching remains and it's the same and there are some today just like this passage says who have itchy ears and they don't want long and bible saturated sermons just tell me what's going to make me be a better person in society make me feel better do whatever okay there's some people who want that there's some people who desire that sometimes some sundays you may want that and just like gosh couldn't you have been done like 15 minutes ago and just told me what i wanted to hear and i could go and eat Some people want that. That doesn't dictate what we do. It doesn't dictate. That's why I love about this passage. That's exactly what Paul's talking about. He says the time's coming when people are going to have itchy ears and they're going to try to find people to tell them what they want to hear. And they're going to find teachers who who will just tell them that things are good and this is great and you're going to get this or this or this, whatever it is. And they're going to find the teachers that tell them what they want. Timothy preach the word don't compromise on it preach the word so no matter what the the culture is and no matter what this culture becomes we have a role as the church and it's a role that's beautiful because it's what god has used throughout history to advance the kingdom of god why because faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of christ that's why our, our heart and our purpose and our desire and our mission and our focus is not going to change the church some things are going to change sometimes often sometimes not so often sometimes not often enough but one thing that we can't ever change is our our hunger and desire and and intensity of we're going to preach the word no matter what we're going to preach the word my my heart really is this morning man if if um is that some of you um and, and this is a role that, that I, you know, I think Scripture is absolutely clear on. And, and this is something that, that I'm saying to men. Uh, ladies, as we talk about this, as we talk about preaching and eldership being a role for, 
for men, that is absolutely not a slap to women. The Lord has graced women with gifts and abilities and service in the church. He has not limited the service of women in any way whatsoever. He has blessed the women in the church with, with giftedness and, and, and abilities and, 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 and places to serve that are wonderfully needed, okay? And, and, and it's not a backseat situation. It's a part of advancing the kingdom of God together, okay? But as we, as we look at that and as I talk about it, this is, a, this, is a, this is a plea that I have for men, that guys, that your heart and desire would be, I want to preach the word of God. I want to preach the word of God. I, I want to stand and, and, and as the mouthpiece of Christ, stand and say, God, I want to speak your word and teach your word because your word is truth and I want to proclaim it no matter what. I want to tell it no matter what. That's my prayer and my desire for you today. And no matter who you are, and this is not a, a uh, if you're working in the secular job, you're just not getting it. It's not that at all. Some of you, God is calling to work in the secular field and to be a light and salt, a lamp, and all of those things, okay? But some of you, God is going to call and work in your heart to preach and to teach the word of God. Man, that's my prayer for you. For those of you who, who aren't called to that, be bringers, okay? I mean, bring people to the teaching of God's word so that they can hear it, so they know and understand what does the Bible really say. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thanks that you love us. Thanks that you, you have um, given us your word. We praise you for that, Lord. And God, help us to be people who, who would love it so much that whether we are in our workplace or whether we're up front or wherever we are, that we would preach the word. That our heart would be that people would know you and that we would believe those words in Romans that say, how, how can they know unless they hear and how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? And God, even that some here today would would even hear that next part and how can they preach unless they're sent and and that today we and you would surround those people and encourage them and and send them to preach lord i love you and i thank you for your word and, and i just i want so much to preach and not to manipulate. I want so much to um, allow your spirit and your word to convict and not to speak from my own accord. And so, God, I pray that you would do that and that not just this week, but every week, that you would keep me from that temptation of motivating and manipulating with my own words. But believing and knowing that the word of God is sufficient for all things to teach us godliness and to grow us and to edify us and encourage us and to keep us from wrong, keep us from sinning. And that we would love it and that we would preach it. We praise you and thank you. We love you for giving the word to us. In Jesus' name, amen.